hello everyone and welcome to episode four of A Wee Bit of Everything with your hosts Clark and Lewis. In this episode, we discuss our return to Brazil in 2017, where we delivered growth mindset lectures and also coached an under-14 football team for one week in Santa Catarina, southern Brazil. Thereafter, we also travelled for leisure for two weeks to parts of Brazil we hadn't visited in 2014 when we went for the World Cup. This was in North Rio de Janeiro. The main idea behind this episode is to understand what it takes to have a growth mindset and not only have one, but actually apply it in different situations which we found ourselves in. And let me tell you, we found ourselves in a few tricky situations over there. This episode is very much about teaching mindset and our exploits in Brazil, but we also tied in delivering a coaching session, and that was off the back of me completing my UEFA A-license intro course through the Scottish FA. The second time in Brazil, mate, eh? Fast forward three years from the World Cup, and here we are. Welcome back, another trip down memory lane. I know, man, that's, that was a quick three years, I'll tell you that. I can't believe we're back. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun, as they say. Yeah, it did. It was a busy three years, though, wasn't it? Because between that time and the second time going back, I was. I think I was just going on to study my postgrad and PE teaching. I was, I was coming back from Brazil to go back and do my postgrad and PE teaching, so I'd learned a lot between the first and the second time we'd went. Constantly learning every year, because especially when you're at college and uni, I just try to take so much in, try to squeeze in the night and bamboo as well. <laughs> Bamboozled. In the best you can with what you have. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, so anyway, getting into it. What was the aim of the trip? Can you tell everybody a wee bit more in detail? Yep, so the aim of this trip was to deliver mindset talks within the local community of Camberillo in southern Brazil. Doing stuff that you fear and getting out of your comfort zone will be the key message in today's episode. But let's be serious, mate, this holiday had a bit of everything, didn't it? We, we had the, the social aspect of it, all the trekking, sightseeing. We got to develop our professional skills a wee bit more and experience things that uh, was just quite surreal, actually, <laughs> what we did when we went over the second time. It was absolutely superb. We even got to attend a football game in the away end of one of the World Cup venues, which was a, oh, that was amazing experience to see the the passion and commitment they have for their, their football over there. It was madness. because uh, the, the the game we went to was in Salvador. Just for anyone who doesn't know, it was like an, an hour and a half flight north of Rio, and the team the team that were, were at home was obviously the Salvador team. I can't remember what they were called, but they were playing a team from Rio de Janeiro. No, the the team um, it was Bahia. Because that's the state where Salvador is. Um, Bahia. Bahia. So it was Bahia against the team and from Fluminense. And then we met the fans going into the game, the Fluminense fans, and they'd, they'd spent like 14 hours on a bus to get to the game. Yeah. So, you know, you don't really get that in Scotland as much yeah. because of the distance. But great commitment for the fans. There must have been about a thousand in the away end. So good travelling support. What was the name of the stadium? What was that stadium? Cause it was it was the weird one. It was like Fontanova, Fontanova. That's it. Because it went round, didn't it? And then it had like a split. Uh, it was a cracker. So you could. Uh, it was it was a very state of the art modern stadium. It was brilliant. It was just good to go to one of the World Cup venues, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, what was? Can you remember what the score was that game? Did they win? Two each, I think. Two each. A draw. It was a draw. Or one um, each. Aye. Most awesome goals. Yeah, it was good. We were desperate to get to a football game over there and actually see like a top division game, which was brilliant to see the passion in that that they had mm. for it. 
but that was a proper CD area around the stadium, wasn't it? Like, it was all the favelas and that, like, it seemed dead sketchy, man, getting the taxi and that there. Like, there was, that's all it was. It was just like this big state of the art stadium planked in the middle of these. A favela? Really, these really poor areas, like a favela, mm-hmm. like uh, shanty towns. It was, it was madness. Because you, you were, we, were we were up really high in the stadium, I can remember looking out before the game started and you could just see for miles and it was just all over the all over the city and you, all you could see Aye. was the favelas. I felt like that was worse than real for the favelas. Like I felt like there was seemed to be closer to them there and there seemed to be more of them. But right, made, I, might be, I, I might be wrong, but that's what it felt like. When I, when I was walking about there, it made, it made Govan look like Hollywood when you go to Ibrox, <laughs> doesn't it? Aye. <laughs> so I felt... Stars. <laughs> what? I say is that uh, the last I heard, they were, the, the council were talking about putting a big Govan sign up on Govan Hill. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that would get them well, well, all the uh, all the guys regions. Uh, what was I going to say? I was, I was going to ask you. See, second time round when we went to Brazil, did you did you feel less safe like, to, to, to the places we went, or? Did you feel a, a difference? I probably felt less safe in Salvador because when we got there, it was there wasn't any. It was very run down, wasn't it? And even the the restaurants and cafes weren't very welcoming to tourists. Yeah, it was a few no, getting singled out. Yeah, I agree. And it wasn't peak season either, so it wasn't really that busy, wasn't it? No. So you remember when no, we got there? Really quiet. Yeah. What was the what was that chain of hostels that we stayed in? Chilagato. 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 And uh, oh, I mem- remember the remember the hostel we stayed in in Salvador. Um, so we stayed there for three nights, and then what, the next morning we're always out the night before, and uh, frantically try to pack our stuff in the morning for the night out. Had to get this taxi <laughs> at nine in the morning to catch oh. a flight. <laughs> so got all the stuff packed, uh, get to the next place, all up the suitcases and that, and start to unpack our stuff. No, it was the backpack. So you can imagine how compact all the clothes were in this backpack. We were on the bus journey. How long was it? Was it about? A, was it like a six hour? Was it longer? Was it maybe ten hour bus journey? So it was uh, roasting hot. It was a bit of a trick. Aye, uh, it was a lot. It was a, a, a feral distance. Was that when Elliot kept sleeping at the same time as he was talking? <laughs> and drooling. So um, Lewis <laughs> packs all his stuff at the at the bypack and it's packs with this underwear. <laughs> some, uh, shall we say, some feces on it? Um, but <laughs> He realised at that point the burning actually his. So someone, when he was obviously frantically packing stuff, when you're in these uh, dorms, you're staying with other people, he's obviously picked up somebody's dirty underwear and put it in his bag. So I mean, I got a good laugh out of that one. Aye, my first, my first response was, what one of you is, I did say packed diarrhoea underwear into my, my backpack. And I thought it was you straight away. I was like, who was it? And there was, there was a, it was a few other boys staying in a few other boys staying in the, the hotel room, man. It was absolutely that was the last thing you wanted to see after a ten hour bus journey or something. The big pair of skidded underwear. Any other oh. stories, mate? Hey, can you tell me who was the best photographer over there? I think it was yourself, Mr. Burrow. Remember Elliot? First time photographer. Uh, Elliot, first time Brazil night. You can imagine, you know it's like the big the Rio statue. So when you actually you get off and you come out the airport and you actually see that but it's like quite surreal it's, it's, it's amazing because it's so iconic and you see it obviously you want to go up and get a, a good photo on that with the statue so we're like aye right come on Ellie, we'll, we'll go up and we we booked the bus and that to take us up and uh, <laughs> Elliot's standing I'm just wandering about he's like oh, I'm going to take a photo for us 
Elite stance, as the casual pose, the arms out, try to replicate the statue and that. Cost that any bother. Stands about two feet away from him, takes a photo. Elliot, Elliot's in the photo, nice and nice and fine. He's just got this grey background and it's just the bottom of the statue. And Elliot didn't realise that he had he'd got such a bad photo with the statue until he got back to the hotel room. He's flicking through his phone and he just looks at this photo and it just looks like he's standing at standing at a grey wall. Halfway around the world to get a photo with this iconic statue. You had right. one job, man. One job. Here, yeah. just saying, by the way, it wasn't anything to do with the photographer. It was, more to do, it was more to do with his, his phone. It was like an iPhone 2 or something like that. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway another, another disaster was... Fact, you, spoke about, you spoke about Rio there. touched on Rio de Janeiro. Obviously, it was my favourite place. I've travelled around the world to numerous places. Rio was my favourite. Can, can you tell the people a wee bit more? About Rio, uh, it's just it's it's an amazing city. It's got it's got everything. It's got beaches. It's got mountains. It's got the kind of the it's nightlife. Uh, it's just got it's got everything. It's such mm. a vibrant city, isn't it? It's got everything going on um, down the the front part. And that it's amazing at the beach and uh, it's it's just it's a very very iconic city. And it's, it's if you yeah. ever get the chance, you you need to go and see it. It's, it's incredible. Definitely, it's my favourite place. Anyway, moving on to the lectures and the talks that we've done, we had a disaster, obviously, on the way out there. But before we went there, we, we planned the the talks for hours and hours and hours, practising them at our schools. I was delivering some uh, growth mindset lectures back in high school, and most were doing it at a placement school that he was at in Livingston. So we had plenty of preparation, but we actually lost the PowerPoint somehow. So we got all the way to Brazil, travelled down to the south of Brazil, and then had to get Lewis's dad to we drive it because the file was too big because it had videos in it so we, had to, <laughs> we got a bit of a fright didn't we so it was like the, the day before it we went to go the pen drive couldn't find the file so thankfully your dad was able to we drive it over so but that was a bit of a yeah. scary moment Aye, that went all the way there and couldn't even do it almost Te- technology is a brilliant thing by the way like it's, imagine that was 10 years ago or something like you would have had no chance uh-huh. so lucky I went all the way over there to do that and we almost forgot the Ten years ago, that was only, that ten years ago, you would have probably had a chance. Actually, that was only two thousand and ten. Jeez, oh man, get on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so why why we were in Brazil? Why were we delivering growth mindset talks? As part of my master's degree, I chose to study growth mindset. Basically, it's just a belief that your intelligence or abilities and anything that you do, whether it's learning a new instrument, whether it's developing a, a language skill, uh, developing a new language or developing a sporting technique. Uh, you, you have the belief that you can improve and you can get better than what you are today. Yeah, so through studying my master's degree in growth mindset, it led me to pursue opportunities not just within Scotland but also internationally. So by contacting our um, networks in Brazil and trying to organise opportunities to share our expertise in this topic uh, and help others realise their potential because me and Lewis do a lot of adventure challenges like the West Island Way which we spoke about in episode two so obviously we applied a growth mindset to achieve that challenge of running 96 miles in 24 hours so we wanted to share that experience with others to help realise their potential and their passion so that was kind of what we tried to do so we visited a local school in the state uh, uh, sorry the place Cambro that Lewis was speaking about earlier in the south of Brazil so Contacts had organised us to go in to speak to the classes during the day 
to ask the classes, it was a secondary school, to ask them to come along in the evening to listen to our Growth Mindset talk, which was held in a local community lecture theatre. And we also delivered the talks to various other people in, in a different setting, which was in a government, local, kind of local government hall. We delivered that to a young female volleyball team. And also there was a, a few athletes that joined as well and a couple of local politicians. So it was a wide variety of people that we were talking to, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't think the the whole growth mindset um, literature and all that had is is massive in Brazil. Like I think that's bigger over yeah, here. It, is, it was something new to them. Like because speaking to Carlos before we were going over to organise these talks, um, you were telling them about this and the thing that he'd been doing for your masters, and he he welcomed it with open arms, didn't he? He's like, because um, he's he works in education or he's a PE mm-hmm. teacher, isn't he, Carlos? Yeah, and, he was a PE teacher. But we'll call it. I was a PE teacher um, back in the day um, and he says they hadn't heard of anything like it or this concept of growth mindset so it was an opportunity we saw a gap and it was oh, uh, welcome to open arms to go over and, and do it and he he certainly did his bit anyway so through contacting Carlos when we went over in 2014 he obviously organised for us to go over he didn't even know us in 2014 to go over and do all the coaching sessions and stuff like that the first time and then we kept in touch with Carlos, which was superb because that laid the foundations for us going over the second time to do what we've done. Yeah. So kind of back to the mindset thing, and it's basically just a belief that your abilities and talents can improve. Um, and because there was a lot of sports clubs coming to to the to the talk and the athletes, then we felt as if it was a good audience for us to, to share our uh, endurance experiences and then teaching growth mindset through that and how we have applied the growth mindset. So it wasn't just about theory, it was more about how we've experienced it and how we can help others grow. Um, so we didn't really talk too much about theory, it was more about the West Island Way and the kind of the challenges that we came up against and how we managed to overcome them as a team. And uh, so we um, we linked the concept of growth mindset to the West Island Way. Uh, and as, as I said earlier, we delivered three lectures. One was in an English class. Um, in a college, a local college, and one was in a local government hall, and then one was in a lecture theatre at night. So I think there was about 20 turned up to the first one in the college, and then there was about 45 maybe in the, the local government hall one, and yeah. then 60-odd in the lecture theatre. So it was well received. We got some good feedback from it, didn't we? Yeah, we definitely did. And I think it's important, you touched on it there, that we, it's one thing going over and like you deliver a, a, a talk on your master's degree and what you found and stuff like that but without bogging it down too much explaining the concept of it and then like what we did we showed them what it was like in action so that we're just we're not just spouting a lot of theory at them we're actually showing them how we've applied it our own lives and trying to help them resonate with that and how they can maybe apply it to their sport their life their school whatever because it wasn't just definitely wasn't just athletes it was parents in that as well so not everyone's going to be able to apply it to a sport or um, it's about being able to apply it to different areas of your life, which, which we absolutely, try to, and we try to convey. Just try to get that extra. It's just try to get that extra one percent, kind of out yourself, isn't it? It's try to believe in your ability yeah. and try to make sure that you can get you can get better at what you're doing through seeking the right help from people like we help each other. Yeah, get in touch with people that's already done it before and try to get advice. That's another another way to just reach out and put yourself out there, really. And that's what we did when we went over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I mean, we must have contacted, contacted so many people. Like we sent out so many emails through 
uh, LinkedIn, through Twitter, just really putting our name out there. And about 99% of the people didn't get back to us, but that 1% allowed us to get that, to, to get the, uh, the opportunity. So. Yeah, the difficult thing, obviously, was in Brazil, there's a real issue with the language barrier, so they're not very competent at speaking English, but we're not competent at speaking Portuguese, so the translation was a, a different experience for us. We only had to say, like, ten words max each each kind of, each each turn, and then the translator that we managed to organize, that Carlos organised for us, with two different translators, with one for each kind of lecture, Um and we could, we get carried away quite a lot because obviously we speak pretty fast as Scottish people. And you can, say you can, like, so you can imagine that a Brazilian translator trying to understand our accent for a start, and then trying to like we speak really quick and trying to remember all those words. It's just that must be a <laughs> that that must <laughs> that must be draining, man. I think um, I think Douglas just made up half the stuff that we said anyway. I don't know about mindset. I never just talking about it. <laughs> talking about their dinner. Uh, talking about the World Cup or something. Like that, I don't know. Moving on a wee bit from the the first talk in the college, the second one that we delivered in a, a government hall was actually like a local politician speaking and giving a a talk just before we went in. So we just sat outside the the hall, but it was all glass windows. Remember, so you can see through. So it was like uh, these politicians it, sat and listening to this politician speaking about whatever it was, and then it just felt so surreal that we were then getting into that arena that yeah. we'd been in to then give our talk about growth mindset. It just felt, it just felt it was, as if we were above where we should have been. I uh, I felt I don't know what my my stomach was churning. See when we walked into that building, cause it was like it didn't seem too official down on the first floor of the building when Carlos took us in. But see when we went upstairs, you, me, and Elliot. Um, we went up and you seen like the glass windows like you said but all the cameras that were all set up all the screens it was like something out of like you would see in the bbc news and it had like the the little what, what do you call those things that you stand at like an altar almost uh-huh. uh, you stand with your, your mic and everything it was, was proper professional that yeah but it was a, it just i was like oh my days man what are we doing here but i think it's i think once we got I think, I think once we realized what it was, it then made me feel like we're here now. That's give us absolutely everything. We've got one chance here. It, it kind of made me raise my game a bit as well because of how professional mm-hmm. it was. So you've got two options there. You can either shrink or you can expand. Aye, go for it. I think we went for it. Do you know what I also felt, right? See, as much as it sounded daunting, see having a an interpreter or a translator there when you're doing these talks, see that pause that you get while they're translating mm-hmm. it actually i feel helped me deliver the talks because it gave me time it buys you time buys you time to what you were going to say next so actually i think the way i worded it was better than what i would have done if i'd done it in scotland for example when you can tend to waffle and if you have a pause you you feel like that be a bit of awkwardness whereas they yeah. you actually needed the pause for the, the translation so I, I think that actually worked in our favor that was a blessing in disguise uh, I mean, you just say it, like you're in, you're in the unknown. I mean, you're, you're, we're Scottish kind of young guys going over there to deliver to sports teams, to athletes, to college, in a college with an English speaking college class. You're in the unknown. It is fearful. It is, and the anxiety was definitely there. But I think okay. it's just trying to control that emotion and make sure that it doesn't affect your your delivery, which can be difficult. Yeah. But as I said, there's three of us there, so that sort of helped me anyway, knowing that I was there. On, with each other, were able to help each other through it. It, it was good to know that other people were you were 
your friends were there on the same boat as you. Like you weren't just doing it on your own. It'd have been a different story if you were there on your own. Like it would have been, mm-hmm. it would have been harder. You'd have got through it, but it'd have been harder for sure. Yeah, and then after that, after that, uh, after the delivery, we felt amazing. You know, we get good feedback, and then that sort of built built a momentum when we came back and a belief that from this challenge that we managed to conquer over there, that we would build a momentum and try and come up with another physical endurance challenge, which we could uh-huh. then go and share, share again. So we then then they tasked ourselves with the Three Peaks Challenge, which was to run between the mountains and climb the mountains, which we'll speak about in another episode. Yeah. So we just had that we'd built Done just it. a lot of them. Off, off the back of the West Highland Way and then going to Brazil the second time. And obviously... I just, I just felt like at that point in my life, I was like achieving things like at uni, college, I, I got my C license and everything like that. I just felt like I was just, had so much momentum. I just felt like I could take on the world. And then we set ourselves to do this, this next challenge. And it was just, it was, everything was just so much forward momentum at that point, wasn't it? The belief was through the roof. Yeah. yeah. And I, I completed my A license just before I went over. So I've not spoken about that much. Well, can I go back to that now? So we went to our club. After just before one of the lectures, and um, we'd been taken in by one of Carlos's friends to his mum's house, but she had loads of like bunk beds, so all a lot of the players would, would live there. Um, oh, that's right, that's so, right. You know, it was like a, it was almost like a hostel, wasn't it? Just, but it was like a hostel, but it was like attached to a house. So we were able to drop our stuff and then plan a session. So it was like a passing and receiving session, and then loosed on a possession box. No, oh, sorry, loosed on a possession practice in groups as well, didn't they? I we basically we delivered like a session and we just kind of took parts of the session each and then we coached the game at the end, which so it was good, wasn't it? It was on a nice astro tough pitch and that. Yeah, there was good standard as well. So, and then yeah. I remember you were asking the asking the woman for a faggot lunch. Probably wasn't the right time. <laughs> I was choking for it, man. No, we were sitting. Don't tell me that. Tell me that one. <laughs> No, we were, we were obviously like Clark mentioned earlier, the language barrier is absolutely brutal over in Brazil. And then um, we were sitting with all the players, and uh, Galvin, the guy's name was, who took us in and allowed us to coach with his team that he was coaching at the time. So we were sitting in this house, and the, Galvin's mum was cooking the dinner and made us this lovely spread for our. Was it dinner? I think it was dinner. And then um, after lunch? we'd finished it, I was at lunch, so after lunch, we'd finished it. And um, we were clearing up and everything. And I, I, I think I called her name and I did like the, the hand gestures like they do in Italy to say it was marvellous, it was great. And I obviously didn't do it right. And it looked like I was, it looked like I was holding a cigarette and she, she shouted down uh, Portuguese to Gilvin and saying that she thought that I was asking her for a cigarette. Hi, I, I, she couldn't speak English here to like, translate. She couldn't speak English, so she thought I was wanting a fag. <laughs> What was it you saying? I've just had one, am I right? Aye, I've just, I've just had one, I'm fine. Uh, no, that was brilliant. But let's not, um, let's not underestimate the amount of planning we put into this trip with our lectures, with our session. And that attention to detail before we left did help mm-hmm. us, well, absolutely helped our delivery. We were more confident. I mean, me and you were getting up at five in the morning, meeting each other before work and doing like an hour or two in the presentation. And obviously, yeah. like, obviously delivering the presentation before we went, in the, in the school in the schools that we were working in helped us kind of reflect on it and then change wee bits Aye, that's right because I uh, you you were working at Bigger at the time and you you were able to deliver your, your growth mindset talk in there and then I delivered the my West Highland Way one in a school in Livingston because my cousin worked there at the time and she got me in there to get experience working with PE and that and then I 
asked her if I'd be able to deliver this to the six years. And um, mm-hmm. I managed to I managed to get the opportunity to do that. So that gave me a bit more my back confidence prior to going over there as well. So I can had a run through of it in front of a in front of a crowd, which was good. Yeah. And if anybody's listening and wants to hear a wee bit more about the West Island Way adventure, it's on episode two. So this this growth mindset delivery and uh, tied in with the ambition and teamwork presentation that we delivered um, in, in conjunction with the West Island Way completion. So if you want to hear a wee bit more about that, it's in episode two and that'll maybe make a wee bit more sense of what we're talking about here. Um, but by the time we got to the last uh, lecture, it was in front of like 65 people and I was almost I, like I, I, was honest, I think I think it was more than that to be fair, mate. I think it was... And we were absolutely flying by then because we'd already delivered it two or three times, once at home and then twice in Brazil. So we were, we were right on the money for yeah, that one, weren't we? Yeah, absolutely. It was a great, it was a great atmosphere. Went in, it was all like it was, it was a lot of school pupils because that day we'd been going round the classrooms and trying to get just speaking to the pupils why we were here, what we were doing, um, and we took our <laughs> translator with us so they could understand what we were saying, and that actually got got a lot more bodies to the the talk. And no, but I, th- I, th- I think there was a minute, there was a minister there as well remember, from Cambria. Mm-hmm. There was like yeah, local right. ministers with there, down the front, yeah, lawyers right. and stuff like that. Yeah, that's right. So, at the end of every episode, we always got a key takeaway message. So, a key takeaway message for the listeners. Do you want to go first or will I go first? Uh, I'll, I'll crack on that one first then. So, my key takeaway mes- message from this episode today is the importance of networking. So, it's so important because this was the main reason we were afforded the opportunities to go to Brazil and experience it to the extent that we did. I we could have went to Brazil for a holiday, but to be able to visit various different football clubs, deliver some coaching sessions, present talks and mindset in a West Island Way expedition to young people, adults, just simply would not have happened if it wasn't for us networking and putting our name out there. So something I think is is good to to take on board here. If you reach out to say 20 people, 19 of them don't get back to you, but one person does, then surely that's a success. Because we sent yep. so many messages through social media platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter and, and email and that as well. If we never heard back from I would say a good 99% of them. But oh, sorry, mate, sorry. It's, almost, it's almost as if you need to get knocked back a lot. You need to get knocked yeah. back so many times before that's the, the successful one comes along. That's that. It doesn't, it just, you, you need to uh, just keep going, chipping away at it. But the 1% that got back to us enabled us to develop a network of contacts who we still regularly keep in contact with and who have given us the opportunity to go over to South America again and gain two very, very valuable experiences, which... When we get back, the, back third time, lucky. <laughs> the Mora. We could, we, could, uh, we could try and deliver it to Ronaldinho. Aye, we'll go over there, Ronaldinho and all the ex-Brazilians. Imagine, <laughs> scenes. Is that you then? Yep, that's my key takeaway message. So networking is very important. Go and talk to folk, guys. Okay, so my key takeaway message... Crawling on from loyalties, uh, in my opinion, risk taking taking risks aren't that really aren't that scary once you take them. It's it's very much just about putting yourself out there, as Lewis says, stepping outside your comfort zone. Because according to the neuroscience that I came across when I was doing my literature review for my master's dissertation, was if you resist an emotion like fear and anxiety, it makes it worse. So it times it by ten. Literature says. So my advice would be to just take the risk. And then once you're there and you're del- like for us delivering that presentation, we're so nervous. But see, once you get the first few words out and you start to calm down and get composed, it makes it makes them the anxiety and the 
a fear just fades away. Um, so my advice also would be to strive to chase exciting opportunities. So my question would be to everyone is, you know, what excites you? Because me and Lewis, we're going to Brazil again. That was an exciting opportunity, and that was what enabled us to to achieve some success over there because we were excited to do it, and we didn't feel it was a, it was a chore. So, but to not to not prepare before we went would have made it much much more difficult. So the preparation before and the attention to detail in the, the the presentation was key for our confidence and success once we got going. Yeah. Right, no matter how much preparation you do, it's always going to feel daunting. It's always going to feel scary. But when you get up there and it's time to rise to the occasion, you'll nail it because you have prepared. So that's always comforting to know that. I think. Yeah, it might it might sound quite cliche. What we're saying quite quite kind of common sense, but I think just in terms of our experience, it just kind of. Reiterating, reiterating that fact that risks aren't that scary and networking's a top value. Yeah. Spot on. Right. Tweet of the week. You got one for us this week? I have. It's from Kevin Kelly, who is a author of a few books in America. He's also an actor as well. So he tweeted today, or yesterday, he's actually pinned his tweet, so that way you can pin it, so it's always there. Obviously, we go through... Over the long term, the future is decided. The, the quote is, over the long term, the future is decided by optimists. So this just resonated with me when I was reading it. I think in strange and uncertain times like just now with the, with the COVID-19, it's even more important to remain optimistic about what lies ahead in terms of the health of our pub, the public health, wealth, um, money's tight now, and the, just the in general prosperity of our world. We are the creators of our own reality. And this comes as a direct result of our thinking and then behaviours. So people around people around us are probably struggling just now with lockdown, but it's family, friends. And I just urge everybody to be that person that they can they can lean on for support and motivation. Because you never really know the impact that you're having on those around you. And the question I'd want to ask, or I want you to ask yourself right now, is what impact do you want to have and what impact do you want to be remembered for when this is all over? Yeah, I love that, mate. Brilliant. I think that's important. Yeah, be, be that source of strength for those around you, for your loved ones. Right, thanks, everybody, for listening at, uh, to episode four of A Wee Bit of Everything. And today, we have covered our return to Brazil in 2017, where we deliver growth mindset lectures to the public of Cambrio. So, the title of this episode is Growth Mindset, Do You Have What It Takes? I hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you again soon. Take care.